Well, last week, uh, Ben did such a marvelous job just talking to us about the cross, the ramifications of the cross, and uh, very eloquently and beautifully just uh, let us into the whole aspect of the sacrifice of Jesus and what it means to us. And so today, I, I thought I would just uh, do kind of a... a Just a compiling of the three, the, the Lord's life is death and, and resurrection. Try, try my best to tie it all together. And when I say that, I, I must say that I, I'm going to go back a couple of times, go through something and go back and go through it, because I think there are different windows to look at what the Lord did here. So I'm gonna look at it through a couple of different windows in a couple of places. But in Romans, uh, the sixth chapter, I, I, there are a couple of verses there that I want to read first. And it's Romans 6, 4, and 5, maybe 6. Let me pull this up. i got to get where I can see in the light. Here we go. <clears throat> we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Lord, I just pray now that you add your blessings to the reading of your words and the words that are spoken now. And Lord, we give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. May the 29th, 1953, Edmund Hillary stuck his head out of a tent at a landing level of 27,900 feet above sea level in minus 17 degrees temperature. And he and his buddy were to scale the last 2,100 feet to the top of Mount Everest. 1,100 feet of this, in this temperature, minus 17 degrees, with no oxygen, with a ton of clothes on, with a pick and shoes with spikes in it, climbed a 1,100 foot sheer vertical ice, one pick at a time, pulling themselves up. When they reached the summit, the crest, and they stood there just for a few moments and just took in a sight that no earthly person had ever seen. The first. It was such an accomplishment that before Hillary got back to ground level, base ground level, he was already knighted by the queen, the new queen of England. I think of Roger Bannister, 
for years, the best of the best athletes had trained and ate well and, and conditioned their body to break the four minute mile barrier. And of the millions, the billions of people on the earth, Roger Bannister worked and worked knowing that at some point he had to break 60 seconds for a lap to get under four minutes, four laps. And when he did, he was so exhausted, he fell across the finish line in 359.4. Never been done before. When Magellan sailed around the world in the 1500s, no less, one thing he proved was that the world was round. Because he, he made it, circumvented the whole the planet. Neil Armstrong, the first to put his foot on the moon, something that no one had ever done. Now, I promise these are all names that may have ended up in the Guinness Book of Records. But there's one name that has not entered in to that book of records. Yes. And his name is Jesus. Amen. When you think about the accomplishments of Jesus, the life that he lived in perfect obedience to his father, his own family and the men that he traveled with and people of his day, they made statements like, he lived a life without sin. They were dumbfounded by who he was. The words that came out of his mouth, they said, whoever spoke like this? Whoever said things like, whoever did things? Who said that? Who could, could, could forgive sins? Who can do the things that he's done? But it was Jesus. 10 billion people have lived at some time on this earth. And not one of them. He alone, the only one to ever live a life without sin. Now, that's powerful. So when John 3 and 5 said that in him there is no sin, Hebrews 4.15 said in him we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Knew no sin. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.22 that he committed no sin. When I speak of sin, it's just not a matter of wrong thought or a wrong action here or there. It's not just a matter of missing the mark a bit. You know, there's no one in the world that hasn't said at some point in time, well, I'm not perfect. Everybody's been there. But the truth of the matter is, sin goes much deeper than thoughts, actions, words. It's a matter of the heart gone wrong. Desperately, deeply wrong. Sin that is so deeply entrenched, it's like having an extra chromosome. You can't do anything about it. It's in us, generational sins, in us, impossible. We take social training. We have psychologists, psychiatrists, training groups to train sin out of us, yes. to help us to keep it at bay. 
At least when we're at work. How many knows there's some folks that are pretty good at work? They're pretty nice folks at work. But they grow some horns by the time they walk in the home door. Deep running deposits of sin that mar the very depths of a soul. So the Bible ad addresses this entrenched sin as strongholds. It's just in us deep. But it's through Jesus, the one who lived without sin, free of Satan's strongholds. It's through him that we are empowered to live freely. Above it. Above it. Into the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, contentment, goodness. All of these things are there. It's, and after Paul wrote those precious fruits of the Spirit, he said, whoa, against such, there is no law. Just think of the bird. He's flying over a school zone. It's 15 miles an hour when they're leaving. And he's just flying 45 miles an hour right through it. And he'll never get a ticket. Because he's above the law. God takes us to that place in our heart and in our spirit to be purified, to have lives, to develop Christ-like character with right motives of the heart. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Let's take a look at this. <clears throat> I thought I had it. Here we go. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Everybody say demolish. Demolish. Strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought make, and to make it obedient to Christ. Wow. And so here's about as simple as you can get. Jesus did everything right. He said everything right. He thought everything right. He alone was perfect. And as such, here's what the Father said. John writes in 526, it says, The Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. He had life, and I put abundant life, right? And he was life. Before raising Lazarus from the dead, and the great consternation of the soul of Martha, she's standing there telling him, man, if you'd just been here, this wouldn't have happened, right? She'd seen him heal too many folk. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she was dying on the vine as she was, as watching Lazarus breathe more sparingly and, and, and having to really try hard just to stay alive. And you could just almost hear her saying, Lazarus, keep at it, buddy. Jesus is going to get here. Just keep breathing. Four days later, Jesus shows up. Yes. Now, I'll tell you what. Morticians have to do some real work on folks who've been dead four days if they even thought about having an open casket. Yes. 
there's going to have to be a lot of all kinds of stuff going on to make a body that's been dead that long presentable. And Jesus, when he hears her talking, and he says to her, he says, Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Though a man be dead, yet shall he live. What a thing it was when Lazarus comes walking out of there and all this wrappings and couldn't see and he couldn't move his legs hardly and he's doing like this and trying to get out. And, and the Lord had to say, loose, the, loose him. Set him free. Let him go. Such a picture of life. But then he died. Man. And here's the thought I had. If anyone ever deserved to have a free ride out of here, it was Jesus. Amen. Just think of that. I mean, Enoch did. Said he was just walking with the Lord and the Lord just took him. Just like we're closer to your house than we are to yours, so just come on home with me. Just called him up, you know. And Elijah in all of his un, sometimes uncontrollable emotions, highs and lows, and, and uh, such a strong person one moment and weak the next and back and forth, that at the end of it all, the Lord sends a fiery chariot to take Elijah out of here. It just seems that Jesus would have been in, in line for such. But yet he dies this most horrific death and I'm not going to go into all of that because Ben did last week. And you can go online right now and watch it. So don't go right now, right? <laughs> but it's there for you to see right now, should you want to. But he was not acting for himself. Um, if it had just been for himself, he could have ascended into the heavens. At the shouts of praise of a trillion angels. Yes. You did it. You lived the perfect life. You gave the perfect example that somebody could live that life without sin. They'll write books about it. They'll have training sessions that speak of the perfect life that you lived. And they'll carry on and carry on and carry on. But the truth of the matter is, a perfect example, perfect demonstration of power, his compassion, his love, his testimony, and all of that. <laughs> if he left, he left us yes. in a lurch. We're in a lurch. Some of you, me, have been in situations where you lost your job the day before Christmas. Your husband, your wife left you with three kids. No income. There are lurches in life that when you look at them, you're thinking, man, you know, I guess I could smile, you know. 
things get worse, just smile. Well, I smiled, sure enough, they got worse, you know? <laughs> Left in a lurch, rebels against God, bound in strongholds of Satan. That old song, where would I go? Right? Where would we go? Woefully short. But oh my. Ah, I see him. He's making his way into confinement. He's giving himself up to confinement, to false accusations, to ridicule, to mockings to beatings, alone, 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 such torturous pain. Not just the pain, the physical pain, but the pain of betrayal by those who supposedly loved him most. They were not there, and there he is. He's working his way through this, not for himself, but for us. Everybody say, but for us, for me, for me he died. He acted as our representative, our, our substitute, our champion. Years ago <coughs> in Arkansas, when I was a young dude, we had a softball game at the church. Had a big back part that uh, the way we had the diamond situated, that if you got a really good hit, it could, the ball might bounce off, you know, the bottom of the church, hit, hit up against the church and come back. And so it was the old dudes against the young dudes. I was the young dude at the time. I don't even know if I had a whiskers yet. You know? <laughs> I've been married for several years and still didn't have to shave but about once a week if I didn't want, you know, whether I needed to or not, I could. You know? And uh, one of our young men got up to bat and he swung. And the ball just went up and we're all like this. We we're watching it. It hit the top of the church and bounced over to the other side. One of the dudes on the old team, he says, us old folks don't stand a chance. <laughs> but just imagine, at about that time, a car pulled up, and Hank Aaron stepped out. He was a little older. And he says, fellas, can I play? Just about that time, you would have heard my friends say, old folks, do stand a chance, <laughs> right? You're in a basketball game, and you're in a world of hurt and needing some help, and Steph Carey comes out in his Under Armour gear and says, can I play, right? A substitute, Jesus is our champion and a substitute. Now, Ezekiel 18 and 4, a change for a moment. He says that the soul that sinneth will die. 
Paul in Romans 6.33, 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Without Christ and his works on the cross, we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. And it is Christ, a substitute, who died in our stead. He paid the wages of sin. He took on himself the sins, the sins of us all. And he took the greatest of enemies on, which is death itself. Took it on. <clears throat> now three days, like I said, four days, three days, the body has decayed. There's a, there's a huge impact upon the mind, upon the brain. Just three minutes without oxygen. Uh, if you had it on a chart, you took a deep breath, and your brain's activity, one minute, it's just good. Two minutes, it's good. Three minutes, it's coming down like that. About three and a half, it goes like that. Your body has natural mechanisms to take care of dying flesh. They're called phagocytes. They're white blood cells. And anything that's dying, they want to get it out of the body. And so they start eating your brain. So someone that's, that has been without oxygen five minutes, those phagocytes are getting after it. And you will not come back as the same person. Right? So when you talk about death, three days later in the grave, there was this great stirring. I sat in that grave, if that's the one it was, you know. Boy, I'm telling you what, it had a concrete, uh, like a sheer rock place bench kind of carved out where the body of Jesus was to have lain. It had been sat on so many times that it had like a depression in it where sheer rock, just to sit there, just to imagine what it was like in a totally dark, sealed tomb with guards out there, right? To see that nothing happened. And yet after three days, you know, that was one of the things with uh, the movie, The Passion, The Passion of Christ, that the very last scene was showing the movement in the shroud. You know, I said, Mel Gibson, where's that sequel? Where, man, where is it where Christ comes, comes out of there? right? Out of there, in a new body, changed, changed. Oh my, 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 my. Resurrected with power, you see. And from him, with this, it's like this life that streams from him. It's inherent in him. It originates in him. It pulses in him. Streams from him to others. That if you believe in his resurrection power, it's the power that can raise you from the dead. Amen. Praise God. Now, Romans talks about this. In the eighth chapter, which is like the chapter of chapters in the entire Blooming Bible, all of it. This eighth chapter, he says that, that he will raise your dead bodies from the grave. said, the power that did this, the power that will raise your dead bodies from the grave is already at work, 
bringing to life your mortal bodies. And then Peter said that, he's, that, that there's this calling into existence, that which was, and conforming us, verse 29 of the eighth chapter, conforming us every day in the express image of Christ, making him, conforming us into his likeness. Praise God. So I take you back a moment. Paul said that before we knew Jesus, before Christ came into our lives, we were dead in trespasses and sin. <laughs> now I know that there are some that could preach this message and make it sound like you were just a little sick. You just needed a little help some medicine, different scenery. Take your family and go to the mountains for a few days. Sing some hymns, some songs, and you'll get to feeling better. Or you were swimming and the water got swift and you found yourself fighting just to stay up above the water so as you could breathe. In fact, you were going under and getting some water in your lungs, and when you got back up to the surface, you're coughing. <laughs> and then down you'd go again. Throw me a life raft. Right? But no, you weren't just sick. You didn't just need a life raft. You were dead at the bottom of the lake. There was no life in you. You were hopeless in your state. Now, I like to think <clears throat> that hopelessness is a thing that we can get past. And that maybe you've experienced hopelessness. There are aspects of death in your life. Places where you have given up hope <clears throat> that there was no fight left in you. Whatever it was, the disease, the circumstance, the relationship, the relationship had soured. There was a decaying, a crushing set of circumstances that, that had you like hemmed in. And if that's you, I would say, lift up your eyes to the resurrected one. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Psalms, a thousand years before Jesus came, he says, says, I lift up my eyes unto the hills. It says, which cometh my help? Amen. It's like a question. But he says, my help comes from the Lord. Amen. He is my strength, my life, my hope, the restorer of all that has been lost. Yes. Uh, we got to look at 1 Peter. Verses 5, <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 10. He says, And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while. I tell you, life has some hard knocks. You'll not get through it without some suffering. Everybody will. Job said that as sure as sparks fly upward, Trouble comes to a man. It's just going to happen. 
He says, even though you suffered for a little while, <clears throat> will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast, steadfast. And to him be the power forever and ever. Man. Now I wrote down a couple of things here. When you, when you talk about a life that's in shambles restored, finding supernatural strength to find long fight, long standing addictions, uh, to come out of a mindset that has been scarred through abuse, physically and mentally, to have lived strained, stained lives with lust and hate and anger and bitterness, some for years, some for years, to experience a 180. Here's where I was, and here's where I am now. <clears throat> I once was lost, and now I'm found. Praise God. Look at me now. The resurrecting power of Jesus is now doing this every day, 24-7. He's resurrecting hearts and lives. It all depends on, are you going to listen to the message? Are you going to receive the message? And it flows like a river into dry desert areas of our lives and helps us live. Where is the death in your life? I say, hold it out to him. And he'll bring it back to life. He can, he's the restorer of restorers. The beauty of being united to Christ in death is that in death, there's no longer have any kind of authority over us. <clears throat> Revelations, the last book in the Bible, there's a passage. just like getting everything started. Verse 18 says, I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Now, <clears throat> at some point, the angels of death are going to have to stand back and watch everything they ever did be undone. Ten billion people. And out of those, maybe four or five billion are in the ground, are all going to be resurrected to eternal life. Now the key, as Daniel said, and John said, is that eternal life going to be for judgment and hell or for eternity with Christ in heaven? Jesus talked about the right and the left. Which side? Moses said, whose side are you on? 
He drew a line in the sand. He said, whose side are you on? I asked the question, whose side are you on? Do you desire a personal, spiritual salvation? One that is life-giving, life-changing, a true relationship with God? It is through the resurrected Christ, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Immortal. It's not just here. <clears throat> I was preaching a funeral many years ago. And uh, I said, tell me something about this lady and so forth. And they wrote things like, well, she's a lover of cats. And, uh, you know, to me that spoke of a kind heart because some cats are hard to get along with. <laughs> my friend had a cat and my granddaughter loved him. But he told her, he said, Sky, don't mess with the cat. Well, she's such a loving child. She reached out to pet the cat. And the cat went <laughs> like that. And she looked up at Randy and she says, does he have sin in his heart? <laughs> Lord, there's sin in my heart and I need help every day, every hour. There's no hour that I don't need you, your help, your blood, your care, your love, your resurrection power, Lord, that can renew me, take away the stains of sin, of bitterness, anger, hurt, all the things that the world and the devil would throw at me. It can just be taken out. No self-help program. The Lord can renew so here's what John wrote. He says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Because whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of the water of life. In Christ Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know. There may be areas of your life right now that you say, I, I'm really dealing with things that are going on right now. And uh, I've done all I can. I've thought this through. I've tried. And it's right now, it's like I have that extra chromosome. Where do I go? What do I do? If this message has inspired in you a hope, want you just to say, Lord Jesus, everybody just lift your hand, everybody. Just pray with me, Lord Jesus. It's with humbleness that I come to you. With issues in my life that are very difficult for me to deal with right now. I need help. And I'm looking to you as the author and the finisher of my faith. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all of my sins, things that I have done, 
that have hurt you and hurt others, I ask your forgiveness. I believe you to be the Son of God and that you died for me on the cross, a substitute. And by faith, Lord, I receive cleansing, renewing, new life in Jesus. Amen. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Amen.